Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Also, to one verse in the book of Ephesians for our scripture tonight. I want to deal with the subject being filled with the Spirit. What I want to try to do tonight is make a distinction between being baptized with the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit, because they are two different, actually, things that happen. And I think a lot of the confusion over knowing whether or not one is saved or not centers around not knowing the difference between being baptized with and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, first of all, then we'll go to our text in Ephesians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And then just turn to the right to the book of Ephesians, the next one over, the 18th verse of the 5th chapter. Here is our text. Ephesians 5.18 Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, part of this chapter in Ephesians is dealing with Paul's directions as to how a Christian ought to live. Back in the 15th verse, he says that we ought to work circumspectfully uh, in front of the world in a manner that would not bring reproach upon the Lord, honorably, upright. Not as fools, as wise people, redeeming the time, making use of the time. Uh, Don't be drunk with wine, he said, but if you're going to be drunk, be drunk with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with that Spirit, not these spirits, but the Holy Spirit. Uh, There in Galatians, we're advised to uh, recognize that there are certain things that are evidences of the Spirit in our lives. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life, then there are some fruits that will be produced. That is, the Spirit is going to produce some things in you and through you, such as he mentioned there in the 22nd verse of Galatians 5, that there's going to be love in you and joy and peace and 
patience and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness, temperance. All of those things are going to be in one's life. In the 25th verse, if, if we live in the Spirit, then let's walk in the Spirit. Let's, let's walk the way we say that we live. The church is often charged with being a very cold, formal, unfeeling place. You've heard those charges, and probably you, uh, like me, at times have probably made such statements. There doesn't seem to be any life there. And maybe our charges are correct, and at times probably they are correct. But I think we make a mistake in assuming that what we are saying is those people aren't saved. When really that's the wrong statement or the wrong assumption. It would be proper, perhaps, to say those people aren't filled with the Spirit. Being different than saying those people aren't baptized with the Spirit, if we can use those terms, and I want, I want to make some distinction between the two. Now, we're going to, first of all, have to go back to the book of Acts a bit. You just turn to the left with me until we get back to Acts chapter 1. We'll start there and move forward a little bit, and I want you to see some things. I'll try to make this a teaching sermon tonight, but I want you to see some things here about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, verse 5, Jesus is speaking. And he said, John truly baptized you with water. But, I don't understand how the Church of Christ people can think that baptism saves if you're talking about water. John baptized you with water, but, whenever you see the word but, there is immediately going to come a statement that has some difference from the preceding statement. It rained yesterday, but, and you already know that I'm going to say, it's not raining now, or it's not going to rain tomorrow. There is a distinction. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days from now. Over to the 10th chapter of Acts. That verse is talking about an event that has not yet taken place, but will soon take place. Now look at the 10th chapter. Verse 30, or 40, 43. Verse 43. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. Now, let me stop before I read verse 44. This is Peter preaching to Cornelius and the people who were in his house. You remember that Cornelius believed in Jehovah. 
and God. But there was an unsettling in his mind as to what all this meant about Christ and so on. And, and as he meditated on this and really talked to God, God, in a vision, told him, in a dream, told him to send to Joppa. And there was a man there named Peter. Have him come, and Peter will tell you about these things. There was a lesson for Peter in that that we'll not deal with. But now Peter is here in the house, and he's preaching. And Peter says to Cornelius and all his house, Whosoever believes in him, that is in Christ, shall receive forgiveness of sin. Now here's the verse. And while Peter yet spake these words, while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. Verse 45, and they of the circumcision, that is those who have been circumcised, that is the Jew, which believed were astonished. As many came with Peter, many of these people came with Peter, and they were astonished to see what had taken place, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They got the Holy Ghost. Over to chapter 11, right immediately. Verse 14. Peter is describing what took place in Cornelius' house. And he is here quoting Cornelius. This is Cornelius' words. Peter quoting Cornelius. Who shall tell thee words? In other words, send to Joppa and get the man Peter. That's verse 13. Who's name, who's, get a man named Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who shall tell thee words which thou and all thy, whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. God said to Cornelius, send for Peter. He's going to tell you words. That's an interesting way of stating it. Going to say words that by which you and all of your house will be saved. Now, back to Peter. That's the, the one verse is the quotation of uh, Peter, of uh, Cornelius. And now Peter's talking. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as and on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the words of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptize you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. So what happened to the people in Cornelius' house? They were baptized with the Holy Ghost. That's what happened. The Holy Ghost came upon them. They believed, they responded, the Holy Ghost came, and they were baptized. That is, they were covered over. They were submerged in. They were completely engulfed in something, in a person called the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, For as much as God gave 
them the like gift as he did give us. God gave to the Gentiles the same thing we got. Now, follow the thinking. Jesus said, not many of first Acts, Acts 1, not many days from now, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, and the others were baptized with the Holy Ghost. He came down and, and sat upon each of them and entered their lives. Then he preaches to the Gentiles, and while he was preaching, something happened, the Holy Ghost came. And Peter said, then I realized that the same thing that happened to us on the day of Pentecost, is what he's referring to, happened to these people while I was preaching. It had nothing to do with water, you see. It had to do with a covering over of themselves by the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, God gave them the like gift as he did give us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get the Holy Ghost? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he concludes his argument, but what, who was I that I could withstand God? But we'll leave that alone. Now, what I wanted you to see that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a one-time event. I don't think that we can find anywhere in the Scripture where there is a second baptism of the Holy Ghost. It happens to a person once, but it happens to all believers. If you have believed and received Jesus Christ, you have been baptized into the Holy Ghost. Just as Sherry went into the water, we have all gone into the Holy Ghost. We have been submerged in, covered up by, influenced completely by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there is no evidence in the scripture whereby that process can be undone. Sherry was baptized and that cannot be undone. We can't undo the baptism that was done this morning. I know of no process of reversing that. It took place. It's historical. It's a fact. It was witnessed by 90 people this morning. It's over and done with and is written in history. There was a public declaration in which she became submerged in the water. That is a fact. Never to be undone. How would you undo a baptism? I don't know. We can't run our tape in reverse and watch people come back out as we can do on our television sets by pushing the reverse button and watch things go in reverse. We can't do that in life. There's no button to push to reverse one's life. Once one has committed an act, it remains a fact and never does one back out. The same thing is true of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Once we have believed and committed ourselves, we're in, brothers and sisters. We're in. 
And God doesn't put it in reverse and take us back out. The result of our baptism is salvation. It happens when we believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The only prerequisite for that is to believe. To have faith. All right. Let me quote one other verse, and then I'll go on to the second portion of it, the filling. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, Paul makes a statement, and I'm going to read to you. By making a comparison between Adam and Christ, if you want to turn to it, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 45. He said the first man, Adam, was made... A living soul. He was made a person. A live human being. But the last man, Adam, and Christ is referred to, to through the scripture as the last Adam. There was a first Adam and the last Adam. There was Adam in the garden in the Garden of Eden. There is Adam the Christ. The last Adam was made. Not a living soul. Doesn't use that term. Made a quickening spirit. Now what did he mean? The word quickening is properly translated life-giving. Jesus was made a life-giving spirit. He gives life. When we receive him as Savior, there is a response on his part to us. And that response is he gives life. He gives us something. He gave us everlasting life. Now, it may be that we all have that here tonight, or most. That's a decision that a person has to wrestle with themselves, and no other person can ever make judgment there. But now let's make the assumption that you and I have been baptized into the Holy Spirit. That is, he is the one who came into our life on a given moment in time when we yielded our lives to him, just like the house of Cornelius did while Peter was preaching, something took place. They heard what he said, they believed it, and they received it, and immediately the Holy Spirit came and engulfed them. Now, it's something different to be filled. That's a whole different ballgame. And here comes the problem. People mix up the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit in the context that I'm talking about tonight. You cannot lose your salvation if you ever had it. I think that's as clear in the scripture as any doctrine that we can teach. But, you may not be very filled And here is where people mix up fact and feelings. 
see, salvation is a fact. It did happen. We were saved at a given moment in time. That is a fact. And six months or six years or 60 years later, I might not feel very saved. And my life might have taken turns that certainly have taken me away from the Lord. And you have had these experiences as well as I. And on any given moment in time, I could say I sure feel as little like a Christian as I ever felt in my life. I must not be saved. Now, was there a fact that happened in your life or not? You can say, yes, I remember when it happened. I was, the Holy Spirit came down. I felt him. I know he was there. I responded. I made my declaration of faith. That's fact. You're saved whether you feel like it or not. You don't have to feel saved to be saved. Right? The reason you have feelings is because there's something coming in that stirs up your thoughts and actions and emotions and makes you feel on cloud nine or on whatever the cloud is under the earth. Somebody said, I feel so low that I have to look up to see the ground. And you've been there and I have been there. That's pretty low. Does that mean because your life has taken those turns at your own decision or somebody else's that has taken you away from the church and away from prayer and away from the Bible and uh, you just don't feel saved, you don't look saved, you don't act saved? Does that mean you're not saved? No, it simply means you don't have much of the power of the Spirit in you because you have prohibited God from putting things in that would make you full. We can be filled over and over and over, and we see that through the Scriptures, that Peter, being full of the Holy Spirit, or being filled, thus and so took place. It was a repeated experience. Sometimes we go out of this church full and we are bubbling and we feel excited and, and we're ready to set the world on fire but come next Sunday morning we're so low we can hardly crawl in the church door. What's the difference? There's been no change in the status of our salvation. There has been a change in what we have received into our life. And if you confuse the fact of your salvation with the feelings that you have and think that they're the same thing. No wonder you're saved and lost, saved and lost all the time. Boy, you better be hope you're up when the Lord comes or hope you're up when you die because if you're down, you're lost. No, the scripture doesn't teach that. The scripture teaches fact. That doesn't change. You can't undo facts. They're there forever. But it's the filling, the, the renewing, the coming in of the Holy Spirit that gives one power, that gives one feelings, that gives one 
uh, all of these things that makes us feel like we're on top of the world. We've had a few people that has nearly worn me out in my trying to figure out how to keep them happy all the time. And if they weren't happy, they felt like they were lost. And if we didn't demonstrate all this high stuff, emotions, all the time, well, you're an old, cold church and those people are not saved. They're not going to heaven. Where do you find such teaching in the Scripture? Here was Peter, James, and John out on the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, what a tremendous experience. There, they they watched Jesus just raise up from the earth. He stood there in the air. And all of a sudden, there's a couple guys that came out of paradise and joined him. Old prophets, the Old Testament. My goodness, I'd get excited. They did. And Peter was so overcome with emotions and feelings that he said, Lord, let's just build some temples. We'll just stay here forever. Well, it would be nice if we could stay like that, but the Lord wouldn't even allow it. He said, no, we're going back down to the valley. That's where we live. We have our highs, our emotional ups. I'll tell you, when you hit the peak of an emotional up, you're going to find you're going to slide. You're not going to stay up there very long. If you can stay up there very long, you let me know how it's done. I'd like to have that formula. But one of the things that I have learned that, that happens to me, after a very successful revival, I'm high. And I'll tell you, before the next week's over, I'm as low as I possibly can be. And I think I, at that time, one week later, I'm wondering where the ground is because I'm so far under. You can't expect your emotions and feelings to stay up all the time. But don't think because they're not up all the time that there's been a change in the facts because they don't change. Now, do you want to be filled? I want to say four things about, maybe five, about being filled. First of all, a person must want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Want something from God. Want this. Feelings, if that's what you want to call it. But you know, we really don't want all of that. Because if we ask God for all this stuff and he gives it to us, there's an obligation that goes along with it. To whom much is is given, of him much is required. And it goes hand in hand. Most people want enough of God to be saved, but not enough to make them do anything. That's what happens. When we go to a show or some play or sometimes even here in church and we see a tremendous demonstration, uh, we will clap as, as we did this morning. That was one of the best errands ever done this morning. That was tremendous. And there was a tremendous ovation of clapping for what she did. And I hope you understand that we're, we're, in the case of kids, we certainly are doing that to encourage them. But more importantly, we're expressing, hey, we got filled. And this is our way of saying thank you, Lord. All right. But 
times have you not, when the curtain goes down and everybody claps and all the time somebody they'll begin to stand up and everybody will start saying, more, 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 more. Why? Because we have been so overjoyed with what we saw that we're not ready to quit yet. When's the last time you did that in church? You didn't want to go home. Let's stay. Let's keep on being filled. But let's see. Oh, past time. i got to quit. You see, that's the problem. We are filled to a point. Uh, that's all we want. And then we want to go do something else. We don't want more. If we want the power of God in our lives, we have to want it. Really want it. And God will give it to us. Well, let me hurry on. Secondly, we're not going to get it unless we are willing to empty ourselves. Now, this is important, I think. We're going to have to be willing to get rid of our prejudices, our own personal desires. We must be a vessel that is empty. All the worldly interests that we have are going to have to go. You see, a cup that's already full can't be filled anymore. If you want God to fill your cup, there's going to have to be some displacement of other things, of personal interests, of other desires, of prejudices and and all of those things that, that fill up our lives, pride and love of pleasure and self-righteousness. Do you want to be full of the Holy Spirit and empty your cup of those things that are contrary to God so that there's room for it to come in? Thirdly, we're going to have to desire that the Lord get the glory and not our own. This is a real problem. We too often are so selfish that we want the glory. We want somebody to pat us on the back and say, yeah, I did a good job, which is important for us to do to other people. But if we're not careful, we get caught up in feeling more important than we ought to. We're going to have to take the attitude that John the Baptist did when he said to his disciples, see that man there? He must increase. I must decrease. Let God get the glory. The Lord Jesus received the honor. And don't worry about what happens to you and to me. It is of no consequence what happens to us. It is extremely important whether or not God is honored by what we do. That's what's important. And so we must be willing to pray, it's not my will, Lord, but your will that must be done. Now we're not going to get full. The Holy Spirit can't pour. He can't come in and bless our lives if we're holding on to our own selves and feeling that we're more important than he is. To God be the glory. And then we'll be filled. Well, related to it is the need to yield to God, to his will, unconditionally. Unconditional surrender. 
Most of us have trouble doing that. We want to negotiate a peace treaty in which we get some things out of it. Lord, I'll surrender, but here's what I want. I, I want you to understand this, 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 and this. And you know one of the things about God is he does not negotiate, negotiate a conditional surrender. He is all or he is none. He is God or he is not. He is master or he is not. There is no conditions that he will accept to bar he will not bargain with us. He wants unquestioned devotion and consecration. He wants us to give him our checkbook and say, God, fill in the lights. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about our lives. He wants us to hand our lives over to him, signed, sealed, and delivered. And when we've done that, the Spirit will come in and our lives will be blessed. But I'm telling you, if we want to make deals, we're talking to the wrong person. He doesn't make deals. He has set his standards, and we meet them or we don't. And if we're not willing to meet them, don't expect God to bless your life. It just won't be done. Don't expect him to send the Holy Spirit down there. And this is one of the things that we do. I can't understand why the Lord brought all this upon me. Listen, the Lord didn't bring all these things upon me. The Lord is ready and willing to bring blessings into our lives, but oftentimes we make conditions so difficult that he just can't possibly agree. Are we satisfied with mediocrity, with dullness and drabness in our lives, or do we really want the best that God has to offer? We have been baptized with the Spirit. It's time that we're filled with it. And we can have it over and over, as long and as many times as we're willing to get rid of self Take out of our lives those things contrary to him. Say, here I am, Lord, on your conditions. And we'll be filled with the Spirit. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.